right, glad you're with us. A lot of ground to cover today. Uh-oh, Governor Cuomo's in trouble. We'll get to that. I would imagine lawsuits are pending, and apparently the nursing home death issue was, oh, they only reported about half of what really happened. Uh, that's not going to end well. So many um, friends are just obsessed. Of It's kind of like a David Goliath battle going on uh, Wall Street, and... I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of enjoying the hell because I'm not the biggest fan of Wall Street. I'm going to be honest here. I'm kind of enjoying the hell out of it, just laughing at it all um, because it's it's kind of fascinating to watch. And, I'm, you know, I have enough friends in that work in this industry, and they're going to be mad at me for saying all this, but and they do great work. They do great things. They help pe- people save for their retirement. This isn't my wheelhouse. It's not what I do. I tried to explain on the air before. I've had so many people from the earliest days of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin try to explain to me what it is. And I said, okay, I understand cryptocurrency. All right. And I understand you don't pay fees. I get that part. And I understand there's a finite amount of Bitcoin available. My brain can comprehend that. And this is where you begin to lose me. And I say, okay, well, explain, you know, how is it that it keeps growing and growing and the money's involved? If, if you got a limited, finite amount, it's like, okay, there's only X number of tons of gold, X number of ounces of gold. Okay. And then say, no, it's simple. It's an algorithm. I said, okay, I'm, I know what an algorithm is technically, but I really don't. It's not my wheelhouse either. Well, you know, it's a math equation. I said, okay, I can understand that too. And then I'll say, okay, so then I understand there's only so much of it. Some of it apparently has been lost and we'll never be able to mine them back again, which is a fascinating sidebar to to that. And then I'll say, well, explain the next part of it. How come it keeps, you keep saying, well, it'll go down for a period and then it's going to go up and you're going to add a couple of zeros to it. I'm like, why? Explain that part to me. Well, because there's only so much of it and it's part of the algorithm. I'm like, well, why is it growing then? Why is is the demand increasing? Demand, supply, demand, crisscross, dictate price. Is it that simple? I just don't, I don't ultimately wrap my mind around the algorithm, the math part, and there's never a finite answer, final answer to the math equation. As it, well, the, the math equation keeps going on. I'm like, but why? Why do you explain why if it's a finite amount, there should be one settled on price, maybe it it's altered or changed on any given day, depending on what the demand is versus the supply. Uh, and it just gets interesting. Um, so I've just kind of stayed out of it. And I know I have friends that have made a lot of money doing it. It's not my thing. I'm not the biggest fan in Wall Street. I don't have a lot of exposure there. And it's just my own personal appetite. I think money is too hard to earn and save. And, you know, my blue collar roots kick in every day. And it's like, okay. Ding, 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 ding. Doesn't make sense. Don't feel like getting involved. But watching this is fun. I mean, Wall Street's losing its mind. And so a lot of these hedge funds do something called they short sell a stock. In other words, they're betting that the stock price is going to go down. Now, you might say that's a horrible thing. Actually, my understanding is it's necessary for the balance of monies and investments that go on in Wall Street. Okay, so to short a stock, you have to you don't own the stock, you have to borrow the stock. You pay the person that owns it, you borrow it, but you got to pay it back and you're betting the stock price goes down. If it goes down, you get paid the difference and there are people making billions and billions of dollars, a lot of these big hedge funds making billions of dollars doing exactly that. 
Okay, get that part of it too. Now, there are people that are independent. And what they do is they, they, they go on these other sites. I guess Ameritrade is probably one. Reddit is one you probably have heard a lot about. And anyway, so you have investors not part of these massive, huge, big um, hedge funds. They, they start chatting it up. And, and a lot of them very cleverly, smartly figured out that a lot of the hedge funds were actually shorting stocks that didn't exist. In other words, you can't short stocks that aren't in existence. So in some cases, they figured out, and the one you probably heard the most about was GameStop or BlackBerry, or you know, there's one other one that they've been all, all gung-ho about. It escapes me at the top of the moment. But anyway, so what they figured is, well, well, yeah, AMC, that's the one. So they figured out, oh, hang on a second. They're actually shorting stock at 140%. In other words, you only have 100 stock. They're shorting 140. Well, the 40 don't even exist. So they gang together. They got together, a bunch of investors, independents, and they do it. It's smart for them if they're good at it. It's smart for them because they're not paying every time they buy and sell a stock. And a lot of people will buy a stock, and they're watching it so closely. It hits their price point. Boom, they're selling that second. And, and if you're good at it, you can actually make money at it. It's, it's not my cup of tea. And so they figured out these big hedge funds had done this, companies like Melvin Capital, and that they were hedge, you know, that they were short stocking the limit. Now it's impacting other small companies. Long story short, you see a stock that was worth five bucks a share recently. You know, I think today at one point, Linda, correct me if I'm wrong, it was at like 480 bucks. Yeah, man, it's crazy. I mean, it's just, it's so, for me, it's kind of like David and Goliath. And I think there's a lot of resentment out there because a lot of the short selling that goes on for companies that aren't huge companies, but are on the stock market, on the exchange, uh, it, it, this, this can have a negative impact to short selling. You know, if all these hedge funds are betting you're going to lose, you're going down, then it doesn't create the confidence of the other people that buy into the stock market hoping they're picked that they're going to actually go up and that they'll make money. And where it gets even more interesting is that now the government actually, they're all of a sudden these hedge funds, they never want government regulation. These massive hedge funds, you know, they have the freedom to talk among themselves and trade tips and ideas. And a lot of it in the end can kind of I would use the term in my term, layman's term. I'm, I'm not accusing anybody. Kind of, it seems pretty manipulative to the market to me. And then the stock prices of a innocent small guy get driven down and that hurts their business. And then all of a sudden you have independents joining together, sharing information and making a decision that they're going to take on these guys. And now all of a sudden they want, you know, want to cry uh, foul and bring in government regulators because a bunch of people that are pissed off at the hedge funds finally figured out a way and to get them back i mean it's pretty fascinating and this melvin one i guess went went under they got out of that that industry it's just interesting to watch we'll talk steve i brought steve moore on the program today he's coming on with us and he's going to probably do a much better job of explaining all of that to you um but it's kind of cool to watch and see it just is um, you know, my only advice on investing to any of you out there is money's hard to earn, hard to come by. 
I don't have a lot of faith, trust, hope in the market. It's not been my big indicator over the years of economic success. It certainly can be a big indicator in terms of the health of the economy, but there is this exuberance factor that can sometimes take over. I will say this, and nobody's really talking about it, there are going to be people, including those independents, that are going to get caught here and they're going to lose money. And the money's going to be real and it's going to be significant because these prices are going to come back down to normal. Um, anyway, so we'll get to that. Now, I find this pretty amazing when when liberals start attacking each other. You always got to stand back and don't get in the way. Don't be the referee. Let it go on. And right now that's happening because the New York Times editorial board, I, they write this editorial piece criticizing Biden's executive orders. Now, to be very straightforward, if you look at the executive orders under under Biden, uh, this guy has signed, what, 32 executive orders in his first week. I think we're up to 33 now total. And that number is more than triple the number of orders of the previous three presidents, Bush, the 43, Obama and Trump uh, combined. It's in other words, triple what they signed in their first weeks in office combined, according to the Federal Register. Now, the other side of this is Joe Biden was the one telling us that we're a democracy and not a dictatorship, and I got to get the votes. How do I know he said it? Because I have the tape. Play it. I got to get the votes. I got to get the votes. That's why, you know, uh, the one thing, and I, I have this strange notion, we are a democracy. Some of my Republican friends and some of my Democratic friends even occasionally say, well, if you can't get the votes by executive order, you're going to do something. Things you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator. We're a democracy. We need consensus. So in the mildest of criticism, the New York Times says, but, uh, you might want to ease up on the executive actions, Joe. And just for saying that, they're now facing a backlash from the radical left. They, I mean, they just couldn't have been nicer or kinder uh, in, in all of this. I mean, it's just maddening. I went back. I actually pulled the headlines, you know, from the New York Times this year. alone. Impeach Trump again. Trump is to blame for the Capitol attack. That's only recently. When he first got into office, uh, Donald Trump's Mexico tantrum. Mr. Trump's random insult to diplomacy, a troubled president. This is his first month in office. The media is a satisfying target. Trump's threat to Europe security. Trump's reckless shame game. I mean, that's been the entire coverage of of the entire New York Times every second minute hour of every day. And the New York Times says, yeah, you have triple the amount of the, your three predecessors. You said this is a democracy, not a dictatorship, and I need to get the votes. And you're not out there getting the votes, Joe. Uh, and that's a big problem. And on top of it all, you want to know, you want to define what elitism in America is? Just listen to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and watch tens and tens of thousands of American families out of work, out of jobs, only to be lectured by the private jet flying owning John Kerry. Uh, we want them to get other jobs in the in the clean energy sector. Well, they're not going to be working next week, Mr. Kerry. And if you really cared about carbon footprints, and you want to be this climate czar. 
Maybe it's time for you to make a show by example and dismantle your private jet, not sell it. No, if you sell it, somebody else will be polluting the environment. They'll be leaving a big carbon footprint. No, no, no. If you're real, really true blue and sincere to the cause, I think you need to give it up. Also, I'd like to see a pledge from all these cabinet secretaries because we, the taxpayers, you may not know this, we actually foot the bill for entire fleets of private jets so that all these cabinet members can fly around wherever they need to go whenever they want to go somewhere. Speaker Pelosi flew on a private jet when she was Speaker of the House. Remember that little controversy that came up? I mean, then you got Pete Buttigieg, a man full of so much of life's experience, lecturing people. We want you to get other union, uh, good union jobs. Well, it's nice to say, but the guys with the good union jobs that got their pink slips, how are they going to pay the mortgage, the rent, their car, their truck payment? Uh, how are they going to fund their health care? And what are they going to do for their retirement and their kids' education fund? Because they're not working with your callous statement. And the only one that was halfway honest about it, yeah, we're going to have to sacrifice some jobs, was Grant Jennifer Granholm. At least she was a little honest about it. But they're trying to say, no, we're getting other green new jobs. The people that got pink slips, they're out of work. They're not getting a paycheck anymore. They don't have money to pay. You know, the unemployment's not going to cut it. It's a tiny percentage of their income. But with a callousness and a heartlessness, I've, I've never seen. And stupidity on top of it. Now we're going to be dependent on the lifeblood of the world's economy Oh, we're going to make China rich again. They hate us. We're going to make Middle Eastern countries that hate us rich again. Hostile regimes like China, Russia, Iran. They're all going to be getting rich because we have artificially reduced the supply, which will increase the price, which means it's bad for national security. And it's also bad for our gas tanks. And we'll be paying higher prices at the pump and higher heating bills. Oh, so much for caring about we the people. All right, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free number. I know a lot of you ask, what are we going to do? What can we do? What can we do? The, the, the single best thing you got to do now is stay engaged. Most, And I'll tell you, also at the local level, you're going to see attorneys general, like in the case of Texas, they, they stopped the Biden executive order on immigration. They were successful. One thing that President Trump did that his predecessor, Barack Obama, did not do is he filled all these vacancies on the court, apparently with very young people, meaning they're going to be there for a long time, at least assuming they'll be there a long time. And it's also going to be the things, for example, election integrity, confidence for your state. That, that's a state legislator's role. If, if Pennsylvania's... You, creating laws that violate their own constitution. They need to resolve that. If Wisconsin and Michigan don't allow mail-in voting, they need, they need to resolve the issue before the next election. And the time to start talking about it is not during the next election. They got to do it now as the Supreme court justice, chief justice said in a stinging rebuke, unless we have the courage to face this and change this and deal with this, it's just going to keep happening. Issues will happen. And Georgia, you know, signature verification issues and all the things that we had discussed at the time. Now's the time to be communicating with them. And also, uh, I'm telling you, they're overreaching so far so fast and just bypassing norms, reconciliation to push budgets. We're going to pack the courts. We'll have a commission. It's all happening. 25 till the top of the hour. Joe Biden's war on hardworking men and women and jobs in America. That's exactly what it is.
you know, canceling Keystone XL Pipeline. Well, that's 11,000 jobs, mostly for union workers. Joe Biden ordering a 60-day suspension of new drilling permits uh, on U.S. lands and water uh, for to allow review for the impact. These are real high-paying career jobs. Now, the American Petroleum Institute, their estimate is the drilling ban will cost the U.S. economy and all said and done, $700 billion and kill nearly a million jobs by the end of next year. They can't back that up. So, okay. If one job is lost here, there's tens and tens of thousands we know that are going to happen. Surrounding businesses will be impacted greatly as well. What needs to be done? Uh, that would be. And by the way, John Kerry even admitted that taking the U.S. to zero carbon emissions tomorrow you know, rather than 2050, it wouldn't even remotely stop climate change. They get back in the Paris Climate Accords, and what happens? Well, China's recognized as a developing nation. They're not paying the price we are. India, same thing. Other, quote, still developing nations. You know, excuse me, maybe, maybe we ought to persuade them to do it first before we sign on to something that's stupid. This isn't America first anymore, I'll tell you that. Russia does great under this, these new deals, these executive orders. Same with Iran, same with Middle Eastern countries, many of which hate us. China does great in this, too. The American taxpayer, filling up a gas tank, heating your home, you, you're all going to pay more. And we see the Biden administration paused arms sales to the UAE and Saudi Arabia. What? <laughs> because they, they made a, a peace alliance with Israel, and we saw what happened on day one with the Twitter handle of the Israeli ambassador. People asking what we can do. Well, the Texas AG Paxton, you know, he literally discussed the federal judge's decision to order this temporary hold on Biden's 100-day deportation freeze. This is what attorneys general ought to be doing all over the country. We brought the lawsuit. We had an agreement with Texas and Homeland Security. They wouldn't make any major shifts in, in immigration without giving us sufficient notice to adjust. Federal law specifically requires deportations take place if people are here illegally. So Joe Biden is ignoring the law. What's been passed by another branch of Congress? That would be unconstitutional. You don't take on the role of the legislative branch through executive fiat. And that message needs to be sent by other attorneys generals. The um, a group of red state attorney generals have now served notice on the Biden administration on these executive orders. Remember, President Trump signed just six during the same period. Obama, five. More than three times those of, of the prior three presidents. Pretty unbelievable to me. You know, and then then you look at not only the two trillion dollar beginning price tag for this new Green Deal madness. We got celebrities that Joe Biden loves they're lobbying for $2,400 per month, a Marshall Plan for Moms payments. Now, we're already given $2,000 relief for COVID on top of other monies that have been rightly, appropriately, necessary, needed, and, and already gone out. And anyway, suggesting, and they go on to say that the federal government should be paying moms, and by the way, hard, hard work, no one's disagreeing, for their unseen, unpaid labor, comparing it to the Marshall Plan and 
1948 that gave European countries financial financial help after they were devastated after World War II. Okay, how much is that going to cost? Uh, Congressman uh, Castro at Texas is urging Biden to allow DACA recipients to get health care coverage. And and who's going to pay for that? And illegal immigrants are going to get health care coverage. Who's going to pay for that, too? Democrats plan to fight child poverty. They're now suggesting monthly cash payment for children. Okay. The plan says that drafting a proposal to expand and transform the longstanding tax credit for children, normally taken once a year at tax time into a monthly payment, 250 bucks a month per child, 300 bucks a month per kid under age six. Okay. It's like an allowance for children. I, I mean, it all sounds great, Socialism's great until you run out of other people's money. Margaret Thatcher famously warned. Democrats are always generous with with other people's money. And, of course, rolling back abortion rules. That's standard procedure for liberal Democrats. But solar jobs, it's a better choice for workers. Well, don't worry, you'll be out of work, but you're helping the environment. Grant Holm even suggesting that that's going to happen. I mean, you know, you got tens of thousands of jobs destroyed. Our reliance on foreign energy now will be going through the roof, and that's not good for national security. Gas prices will be higher. Home heating prices will be higher. What else do we see? Troops forced to sleep in parking garages, um, ramping up tensions in the Middle East again. Unbelievable. Well, we're upset. Donald Trump set out a tweet, told people to peacefully and patriotically let their voices be heard at the Capitol. Can't have that. That's our first order of business. Another lawsuit filed is challenging Biden's public land leasing ban. $33.5 billion lost GDP in the first term across eight states. That was put together by the Western Energy Alliance. These are people that know their industry. Uh, Governor Inslee, Washington, actually suggesting climate moves costing jobs. Well, You don't want to shackle kids to dead weight of jobs that won't exist in the future. We're doing you a favor by getting rid of your $100,000 a year career. Hunger is uh, on the rise in America. Maybe instead of a a predetermined conclusion on impeachment, maybe they can focus on that because you have more American people lining up for food. I know for a fact in my my own town, I have friends working in the food pantry. Try to help them out, too. Anyway, now you have people that have been, again, COVID-related. 800-941-SHAWN. Then the, you know, the Biden's Commerce Secretary nominee. Yeah, we're going to raise taxes. This Biden, uh, this Commerce Secretary nominee, guess what? Rhode Island was ranked one of the worst states in the country for business. In other words, the Biden Commerce Secretary nominee ran the, ran the state ranked worst for commerce. Good grief. Another brilliant choice, but at least... At least the individual this uh, involved here was her name is Gina uh, Ryan Mondo, I think is how you pronounce it. Anyway, you know her state was best and worst worst states to start a business. Yeah, they're forty eighth for the worst state. Whoopsie Daisy, it's not going to help commerce. But admitting that middle class is going to have to pay taxes, yeah, it's a sacrifice. We're all going to be sacrificing now. Um, and Hunter Biden, by the way, continues to hold the stake. I saw this in the Daily Caller and Chinese private equity firm. According to uh, records, 
and despite reports that he was planning to divest. Apparently that has not happened yet. We have Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez really losing it on Twitter and on TV, actually claiming that House GOP is driven by white supremacists and extremists, and the party imposes no consequences for racism and insurrection. Listen. There are legitimate white supremacist sympathizers that sit at the heart and at the core of the Republican caucus in the House of Representatives. And when you see someone like the like the, the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy of the Republican Party, uh, respond to white supremacist vitriol coming from his own members, not with censure like they did with um, Representative Steve King of Iowa, um, not with, you know, being stripped of committees, not with any consequence. You have to wonder where who actually has that power. But she was ecstatic that Joe Biden, it's almost as if we helped shape the platform, Ocasio-Cortez, writing in a tweet. She did. What have I been saying? She's Speaker of the House, Pelosi Speaker in name only. She tweets out to Ted Cruz, I'm happy to work with the Republicans on this issue or this common ground, but you almost had me murdered three weeks ago, so you can sit this one out. Happy to work with almost any other GOP that aren't trying to get me killed. In the meantime, if you want help, you can resign. Okay. Ted Cruz was calling for an audit. That's it. And by the way, the person leading up the impeachment predetermined outcome impeachment sham. Yeah, challenged the 2016 election. This guy Raskin. I mean, McConnell did warn Schumer of scorched earth Senate if Democrats abolish the filibuster. Who knows what they're going to do? We already know what they're planning. We already know D.C. statehood is now on the table, as we told you. Also on the table, packing the U.S. Supreme Court. We're going we're gonna to put together a committee to study it. Okay, it's going to conclude that they should add uh, justices to the U.S. Supreme Court. A power grab there as well. Uh, the great Davos reset. You have French President Macron declaring modern capitalism can no longer work. Oh, you take COVID out of the equation. What was the economy like under Donald J. Trump with energy independence, record low unemployment for every demographic group in the country? Economic growth, unprecedented because deregulation, lower taxes, manufacturing opportunities that were ripped away in the Biden Obama years. But now we're going back to the good old days of forcing companies overseas because they're not going to be able to get the job done here at a price point that would make them competitive. But don't worry, they're they're focused on impeachment. A lot of good that's going to do. Now, on to uh, the coronavirus. Oh, look at this story. Yeah, um, we've been talking about this. Remember the words hydroxychloroquine? Make liberals' heads explode if any doctor, medical professional, said, yeah, we're beginning anecdotally with seeing signs that it's, it's working and there's no danger at all, Dr. Daniel Wallace. The risk associated with the recommended dose is nil. This guy's been prescribing it for 40 years. He's the head of rheumatoid arthritis, everything, largest practice in the country, lupus, anti-malarials. Now a new study in the uh, American Journal for Medicine in January, found, oh, early treatment of coronavirus patients with hydroxychloroquine lowered the mortality rate for the disease. 
There's only two times, by the way, that that the media went full full bore, and that was the American Journal for uh, of Medicine had to admit that their stand was wrong. Now they're saying just the opposite. Huge controversy in New York. Headline, New York Attorney General has accused Governor Andrew Cuomo of undercounting COVID deaths in nursing homes by up to 50%. Oh, on top of that, my favorite news item today is Joe Biden signed an important executive order. And that is that they have banned the term China virus. Wow. Okay. Executive order. But I guess we, we can talk about the the South African strain that has a lot of people nervous that they're worried that the vaccine may not be applicable. And we're getting, I think we got up to a third or fourth case in America. It's now become a big problem. You have different variants. By the way, there is, that's what viruses do. They mutate. That's why you have people studying viruses their whole life. Anyway, um, you see what's happening to Gavin Newsom. The steam for the recall effort out there is growing. Actually, talk, the Hill reporting, talk of impeaching Andrew Cuomo has picked up apparently steam this morning as the attorney general, got to give her credit, New York State has issued a scathing report charging that Cuomo had covered up the true death toll resulting from his decision to force nursing homes to accept contagious COVID patients. First, he was saying, well, the nursing homes wanted the money. That's why. And then, then, of course, it ultimately 400 incarnations of excuses. The worst part of that is President Trump, they didn't use 75% of the hospital beds at the Javits Center, and they barely touched the Navy hospital ship that Trump sent and manned and built for all, for all of New York and surrounding areas. But anyway, they said that they underreported the nursing home deaths by as much as 50%. Wow. Let me tell you what, how this is going to end in a lawsuit. And I would say families that lost loved ones in nursing homes in New York, I would say my bet is on them. I think they're going to likely win any legal challenge to that. There'll probably be a settlement at some point. Another prediction. What do I know, though? Anyway, so the uh, President Biden, you know, out there is on records, all these executive orders and you know, he's now, of course, has gone forward. He's banned federal workers from referring to COVID-19 as the China virus. He believes it's insensitive to Asian-Americans. We allowed to say, talk about this, the, the South African variant of the virus or the European variety of the virus. I guess we can't give any location. I guess the German measles will change the name of that, too. Unbelievable. Talk about incompetence. The worst part is is we got the vaccine and governors have no clue how to properly organize its distribution. Prioritize older people. Hello, not that hard. First responders, healthcare workers, frontline workers. Number two, people with pre-existing conditions and underlying health issues and compromised immune systems, they're next. Neighborhoods hit particularly hard. I put them next after that. And then people like me that are healthy, we're last. That's where I belong. And people have been saying, Hannity's an anti-vaxxer. I've been telling everybody I'm going to get it. I just, I have friends that have gotten it, and they say, yeah, like they're sick as a dog for a day. I just said, ugh. Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, toll-free, our number 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, 
with a callousness second to none. What has happened now and what is happening before our eyes, sadly, this is the dangers of radicalism and socialism, which represents the new radical Democratic Socialist Party. In other words, everything we told you they would do, they are now doing. You know, John Kerry, doesn't matter that he travels around in his private jet. No, John Kerry is is going to lecture the American people, billionaire that he is, uh, about the need to get rid of these jobs and the oil sector, high paying career jobs because of this radical climate change agenda. Why does he still own a private jet? Why does Joe Biden and, and the entire government, why are we paying for fleets of jets for all these cabinet heads and their staff to travel around the country. I didn't know. I bet many of you didn't know that. Um, how many of you know about John Kerry's home in Martha's Vineyard? Then you've got the man with a wealth of experience, former mayor of South Bend. He just got a job. Pete Buttigieg. Well, we want people to get other uh, other union jobs. Well, we're interviewing tens of thousands of people and we're talking to all these people that lost good union jobs that were paying a hundred grand a year with awesome benefits. They're now out of work next week. They got their pink slips last week and they're getting them this week. They now that they've got mortgages, they got to pay rent. They've got to pay and promises of some future job in a windmill factory or solar panel factory. Not exactly heartwarming for them. These are very skill specific jobs. Uh, these are real professionals that earn every penny, that work on rigs and, and welders and pipe fitters and all these hardworking men and women. And Granholm even admitting, yeah, we're going to have to give up jobs in the name of climate change. I mean, on top of that, we're becoming more dependent than ever. Again, we're finally energy independent thanks to Donald Trump. Well, now, you know, the hostile regimes of Russia and Iran and China and Middle Eastern countries that hate us, they'll be getting rich again. Because the price of oil and energy will begin to soar. Every American will be impacted there, too. You'll be paying more for gasoline, more to heat your home. And your fellow Americans in this job environment, with a pandemic going on, in this job environment, we're going to legalize 11 million people in this country. We already have a fight going on for the few jobs that are available. So let's rip away entire careers from people. Let's listen to Kerry Granholm and Buddha Judge. The president of the United States has expressed in every comment he has made about uh, climate the need to uh, grow the new jobs that pay better, that are cleaner. What President Biden wants to do is make sure those folks have better choices, that they have alternatives, that they can be the people who go to work to make the solar panels. They were making them here at home. That is going to be a particular focus of the uh, Build Back Better agenda. I'm just curious how a long-term ban consistent with the president's goal of unifying our country and putting Americans back to work and helping our economies um, grow, uh, how is that all consistent? I think the president's plan of building back better, which would create more jobs in energy, clean energy, uh, than the jobs that might be sacrificed. So for those workers, the answer is somebody else will get a job? The answer is that we are very eager to see those workers continue to be employed in good paying union jobs, even if they might be different ones. Good paying union jobs, even if they're different ones. Well, right now they don't have any job because with a stroke of a pen, Biden took them away. 
Jobs will be sacrificed. Granholm actually got very close to the truth there for a second. Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, joins us now, Mr. Speaker. Um, I've never I've never witnessed anything this profoundly stupid as what they're now doing in the name of this, you know, climate change hysteria, you know, whipped up by the radical socialists like Ocasio-Cortez. Well, look, I think the arrogance and insensitivity of people like John Kerry, who is a billionaire, uh, just basically saying, oh, well, you're not going to have a job, but someday, somewhere down the road, everything will work out fine. What's not going to work out, not just for the workers you're describing, Sean, but remember, in places like New Mexico, the local school board relies on the oil and gas payments to meet their budget. And as somebody said in New Mexico yesterday, a Democrat said in New Mexico yesterday, if you cut off oil and gas this month, you're going to be cutting off the schools next month. And I think that that's what people don't realize, the the effect to the entire community, not just the immediate jobs, but the effect to the entire community will be devastating and will, in fact, create ghost towns out of places that right now are vibrant and profitable and attracting new workers uh, and desirable places to live. And I think these folks have no clue how many human beings are going to hurt with their policies. Because their their views on in, in climate change and environmental justice, climate concerns, are at the heart of all of this. So, so when the choice comes down to energy independence, the choice comes down to American high-paying career jobs, they side with the, the fringe left, because as we also know, this is intricately in, intertwined with an agenda, which is redistribution of wealth and socialism, isn't it? Well, it is. And, and you know, Thomas Wolf did a great series of essays way back in the 1970s uh, in which he described radical chic. And you have all these nice, wonderful people at their fabulous places in Cape Cod and Nantucket, and they're having wonderful cocktail parties with uh, people serving them who were illegal immigrants but are now going to have a chance to get, get citizenship. And they don't have a clue how much damage they're doing to the rest of the country. Uh, because, you know, you just pop another champagne and talk in wonderful terms about this uh, great future you're creating, but it's going to be a nightmare for normal, everyday Americans. The question I'm getting asked by more people every single day, callers to this radio show, people I run into every day is, okay, what, what, what can we do to stop this? Now, my answer is usually start at the local level because you can have, you can have state attorney, attorneys general. They can go out there. And they can challenge a lot of these executive orders of Biden. I know. I love how the New York Times very politely said, "Okay, Joe, please, not so many uh, executive orders. Just slow down a little bit because he's done more in a week than all three prior presidents combined. Um, Something he said that he didn't have the authority to do, which is interesting. But people are asking, what can they do? And I'm also saying work with your state legislators now if you have issues in, ta- in terms of the integrity and confidence in your state's voting system. Now's the time to fix it, not two years from now. Look, I, I think this is a little bit like the emergence of the Tea Party system in response to Obama in 2009 and 2010, which led to the largest Republican pickup in modern times. We gained 63 seats in 2010. I would urge everybody who wants to change things, organize, if you're, if you're in a Democratic congressional district, start right now 
organizing a campaign to beat the incumbent, because if we could scare 50 or 60 of the Democratic incumbents into fearing for their reelection, you would suddenly find it impossible to pass any left-wing legislation, uh, because they would just close down. They would say to Pelosi and Schumer and Biden, I'm not going to defeat myself just for some you know, slogan. Um, and I think it's very important that grassroots activists recreate the kind of energy and the kind of enthusiasm that we had so powerfully in 2009 and 2010. If if we're, if we don't pay attention, if state look, I think Attorney General, we saw in Texas, they have now already successfully blocked one of Biden's executive orders on immigration. Um, so I I think that that certainly is a strategy. I think there'll be a lot of lawsuits coming out of these these actions, which Biden himself said he didn't have the authority to do. Um, now they're talking about using reconciliation to get the budget passed. Now they have a committee to look into court packing. Now they're moving forward with D.C. statehood. I mean, there's a there's a lot of battles and a lot of changes, but this is what you and I both were trying to tell people would happen if, in fact, this ever happened. Look, and, I, and I think the House and Senate Republicans ought to be much more aggressive. So, for example, somebody ought to put in a, a bill right now to repudiate all of this uh, moratorium on gas and oil, and then challenge people like, for example, the New Mexico Democratic delegation. I mean, New Mexico's lifeblood is being strangled by the Biden administration. So let's put the Democrats on notice in all of these various places. Uh, And I think you would find all of a sudden there'd be a lot of folks who who, uh, face really difficult challenges. You're going to see this play out in the Senate races. We now have an open Senate seat in, in Ohio. Eastern Ohio has become enormously successful because of natural gas. And here's Biden coming along, crippling that entire economy. And that will become a major issue in the, in the Senate race. And this is not a risk-free proposition on their part. The more radical they are, the bigger the disaster will be for them. And it may start in Virginia this year. I mean, I, I'm, I'm here looking at new candidates, new blood, new energy in the Virginia Republican Party in a way that, that could show up as, as early as uh, this November. Um, I don't think in the last election, I don't think people were paying attention. Ed, Ed Gillespie got a lot closer than people thought he would. Um, I'm not sure, knowing that you know, the swamp has moved into northern Virginia. I don't know how easy it is for any Republican to ever win that state, but it'll certainly be worth contesting. Um, and I think also we're now learning that the Democratic Party has really become the party of radicalism, socialism, catering to the elites in New York and L.A., San Francisco and D.C. And this is where I think the Republican Party has has an opportunity, and that is to become the party of hardworking men and women and championing the cause uh, to protect the American worker. Well, in the northern Virginia, to become the party that says, let's open the schools. I mean, the, the teachers unions everywhere in this country right now are clearly putting power ahead of children. And there's a, the biggest opportunity Republicans have had to seize the education issue. Uh, and remember also that in places like Northern Virginia, there are a lot of small businesses that are being crushed by the stupidity with which the government of Virginia has been managing uh, the shutdown. So I, I think that you, we're entering a different world than the one we were in. And it's going to be a world where getting kids educated creating jobs, making sure the street is safe. Remember, you had, you had the largest increase in murders in major cities last year in American history. Now, that's the sort of thing that you defund the police, you have contempt for the police, you tolerate Antifa, and all of a sudden you have a country 
that is really dangerous. And I know in your show the other night, you showed that video of the person getting beaten up at 11 o'clock in the morning in downtown New York in a way which, frankly, was horrifying. It was, it was awful. I'm dying to get your thoughts. You got this David and Goliath battle going on on, on Wall Street where you have day traders, people that, that bypass the big hedge funds and, and they do their own trading and they're not paying. Often when you buy and sell stocks, you have to pay a commission. But if you go to these different websites, you don't have to do that. But anyway, they, they actually figured out that these companies, these hedge funds, these these Goliaths, if you will, were were sort of the short stock strategies or shorting of stock strategies that they've used was going way too far. And they figured out that a lot of the stock was phantom stock. I mean, which was pretty bizarre. In other words, they're shorting stocks that are don't even exist. If it's 100 percent of right. stocks that you can short. OK, you can't short 140 percent of stocks. And I'm watching this all go on and we all see that these independent uh, investors group together on on Reddit and other places. And you see the the stock <laughs> rise of, of GameStop and some of these other BlackBerry and a few other companies soaring through the roof. And then you got a company like Melvin Capital cratering their hedge fund and having to be been forced to exit the short bet against Game Shop and a big win for the little guy. Yeah, look, I'm, I am. I think we're at a point in this country's history where, when in doubt, be for the little guy. Well, we have too many billionaires who are totally out of touch with the with the world. We have too many billionaires who think that their financial success means they can dictate politics to the rest of us. Uh, and we have too many billionaires who are willing to use their muscle in order to reshape the country based on, on their particular psychology or their particular ideology. So I'm, I've, I've always believed the heart of America is the average individual American. And if enough individuals can band together uh, to beat the big boys, I am all for it. We'll get uh, Newt Gingrich's take on impeachment on the other side. 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. All right, as we continue, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. All right, so one week from Monday that we begin the latest shift show. We already know the outcome, so it's going to be like a Broadway theater, uh, and that is that Donald Trump will be acquitted, rightly so. But then you got some Republicans saying, well, maybe we should do censure. How about you? How about if you're going to do this to Donald Trump, let's pull out the tapes of Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, I'm going to take Trump out tonight, Joe Biden included, and apply the same standards to them, and then we'll censure everybody. Look, I wish some of the gutsier and tougher senators on our side would, would pick up on your idea, pull together every Democrat quote that is clearly an incitement to violence, and offer an amendment on the Senate floor that they want to add these to the to the censure motion. And that they're right. you want to censure Nancy Pelosi, and you want to censure... Matt add it, exactly. Waters. And include it all. Let's let's go down the list. If we're going to apply this standard to this person, let's apply it to that person. Chuck Schumer on the on the steps of the Supreme Court threatening Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. You won't know what hit you. Oh, okay. All right. Glad you're with us. Twenty five to the top of the hour. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? Uh, Everybody I know is fascinated by what has been happening on on Wall Street and, you know, for example, stocks like uh, GameStop stock and and uh, BlackBerry stock and uh, what is it? AMC stock, all these different companies. There are five dollars a share 
and then they explode. I think GameStop got up to like four hundred and eighty dollars a share. Now, it's among they're among a handful of previously well unloved companies. Maybe you can put it that way, as the New York Post put it today. Prices are fueled. Now you've got these big hedge funds, and the big hedge funds. They charge for every trade. If you buy or you sell, there's there's commissions associated with those trades. But there are other places where people trade. Reddit would be one of them. And so what they have figured out, there's a process on Wall Street. And I'll let Steve Moore explain it in more detail and, and more articulately than I can, where it's part of the process on Wall Street where the shortest stock and that is that they're going to predict and bet that the stock is going to go to a lower price. Anyway, long story short, to do that, you actually borrow somebody's real stock and they get a piece of the action so that you can then short it. And then at some point, if in fact it goes down, you get the difference in the price. And in other words, you're betting on it going down. Big, big practice on Wall Street, especially used by the hedge funds. Anyway, so these independent small guys uh, got hip to what, has been going on in the millions and millions of dollars being made by these big hedge funds, billions actually. And they figured out that they were actually shorting stocks that weren't even like phantom numbers. They Like for example, they were shorting well beyond a hundred percent of all the stocks that were ever even available. In some cases, 140%. And the idea is, is when the call comes for these big hedge funds that had shorted the stocks uh, because the little guys had banded together and coordinated an attack against them. It all backfires and, and they've got to cover they, they've got to cover massive amounts of money that they never thought would happen. It's pretty fascinating. Anyway, um, my buddy Charles Payne over at the Fox Business uh, channel exploded on what's going on and the whining that's going on over Wall Street. It's just, to me, it's pure entertainment. I'm not a Wall Street guy. I've said this so many times over the years. To me, I think we, the little guy, the investors, you know what? We're the ones that find out last. And when we get in, usually the ship is sailed and we end up getting screwed on, on both sides. Anyway, here's what Charles Payne said. I've got the report in my hand that I sent out to my subscribers. And here's the list. The shorts, first of all, all of this nonsense, all of this noise, all of this whining by Wall Street, it's making me sick. 140% of GameStop was short. I didn't hear one person on TV complaining about Wall Street trying to crush GameStop. 140% short. I told my subscribers, buy this stock, and they made a fortune. I also told them to buy Virgin Space, uh, Virgin. We took profits on that today. Fizz, that's up huge. Tangers is up huge. Neil, you can't allow Wall Street to short 75% of a stock and nobody says anything, crush these companies into the dirt, and then when the individual investor makes money, everyone's up in arms. Oh, they're going to lose their shirt? Don't you think people are trading? If it traded 80 billion shares today, people are ringing the register. I have a kid who bought a house. He had a, he made $50,000 and bought a house. So yes, yeah, some people are going to lose and some are going to win, but if, you wanna, if they want to change the rules of the game now because the general public is making money after decades of the shorts crushing thousands of stocks into the dirt. I have watched stocks 
being crushed completely to zero, uh, and no one ever whispered anything because those stocks didn't have Wall Street sponsorship. They were small names. Maybe they went public through a reverse takeover. Whatever it was, the shorts have had their way with the market for decades. No one's ever complained about it. So I am thrilled if you were going to try to destroy a company by shorting 140% of a stock, you have to accept the fact that individual investors are playing the same game that you're playing and now you're losing. All right, that was our friend Charles Payne, and, and obviously very passionate about this. Steve Moore joins us, economist, author of the bestseller Trumponomics Inside the America First Plan to Revive Our Economy. And uh, he, look, he knows a lot about this. He calls it a, a David versus Goliath moment. I'm not going to explain it as good as you, but maybe I'll let you do it in your terms and in ways hopefully all of us can get. Well, hi, Sean. And by the way, I love what Charles had to say, my good friend Charles Payne, and he was right. He, what a great call he made for his investors in buying these stocks, uh, uh, GameStop, at a very low price. And, and boy, those investors have made a lot of money. And I love the story for a couple of reasons. One is, he is a, Charles is absolutely right that it, it, it should be almost criminal that you can, you can short the stock even more than the stock is out there. I mean, it's a torpedo right in the middle of the ship. And it can destroy good companies, Sean. And, you know, I don't have anything against shorting stocks. That's how the stock market works. But this is a, a procedure that's used by the big, uh, big, you know, trading companies to, uh, to really destroy good companies. And by the way, then the little investors go down. And this is, this is an example of the little investors banded together through Reddit and other groups to buy the stocks, which, by the way, that, that uh, hurts the short sellers because then, you know, they're betting on the company going bankrupt. Well, we've seen a nice appreciation of the stock. Uh, and, um, you know, one of the interesting things is a lot of the investors think that GameStop could actually become a platform to take on some of these big technology companies that you've talked about, maybe a platform for Internet access and things of that nature. So great story, the little guy really hammering the big guys, and it's a way to retaliate against the uh, disproportionate power to make money in the stock market that the big, big funds have. But, you know, one of the things that is most intriguing, and I know that that it gets a little more complicated here, but the hedge funds, you know, they can go and they can discuss and they can post their tips and and they can short these stocks and drive the the prices down and that's profitable for them and i'm not even saying i'm against shorting of stocks my understanding is it's actually a, a necessary part of the process yeah. of all the trading that goes on in on wall street yeah. but the manipulation aspect of it is very real and there's a real anger at these hedge funds for the practices they've been involved in but now that it's happening back and it's it's boomeranging back on them, now they're trying to claim it's illegal and they're they're racing to the government to step in and stop, you know, the little guys that have joined forces together to combat it. Yeah, that's the irony here. And by the way, for someone who doesn't know a lot about this, <laughs> Sean, you do you explain it very well because I agree with everything that you just said. I, let me repeat this because it's important. You know, we have very efficient. Uh, financial markets in the United States. It's an important part of our prosperity. And you're exactly right. There's nothing wrong with shorting a stock. I do that. If you're in a, a fund, probably at times they short a stock, which just means they're betting that the stock will go down. But what's happening here, and I think you used the word manipulate, Sean, and that's exactly what this is. When you can short a stock 
beyond the number of shares, it's almost like driving the, sh- the shares to a negative price. So in other words, you know let's say I mean? there's 100 shares for a company and the hedge funds are are shorting the stock. Unfortunately, they're shorted for 140 shares. Those are 40 phantom shares that are non-existent. And it's these these small groups banding together, and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, that figured out what they were up to and what they were doing, and then they organized and they decided to take them on, knowing that there was going that the price would be driven up dramatically and the short bet would go bad and that they'd end up probably losing billions. And I think the feeling among a lot of people, and because I'm laughing at the whole thing myself, I'm not participating in any way. I'm not smart enough to do it. It's not my wheelhouse. But the funny part of it is, is, you know, all of a sudden now they're crying about rules. Now they want government regulators in. They don't usually want government regulators involved in hedge funds, do they? Exactly. And, and this is a really great story because you're right. What happened here is when, you, when you're shorting over the number of shares out there and then the shares go up in price, you take, you know, you get crushed. And that's what's happening with a lot of these funds that were engaged in this manipulation. And it, it, is, it is kind of a, a rough justice here that that's happening. Um, you know, we'll see what happens to the company itself, you know, whether we'll be able to survive. I think so, because uh, GameStop is a, a series of uh, retail stores. And as the economy gets better and the vaccine gets out there, people will start going back to stores like this. And that's a very rational bet. I'm not going to advise people one way or the other about how to invest in this company. But you, you described it very well. These are mostly little mom and pop investors who saw an opportunity here. They were advised by people like Charles Payne. Uh, and what a great call. And you're right. What irony that the very companies that have been so opposed to regulation now are running to Washington, the SEC, to try to make uh, this procedure illegal. I don't see what's a, I don't see what's illegal about this, Sean. Well, I, I don't either. And then the bringing in the government to try and silence them while they have full communication ability kind of it's not exactly doesn't look to me like a level playing field. I mean, this is like a Wall Street brawl. That's how I'm describing it. Um, with GameStop, uh, GameStop stock soaring, you know, well, I think at one point, you know, a thousand percent or whatever it was. Uh, well, that cratered, for example, the hedge fund called Melvin Capital. They had been shorting the stock. Explain to me why and explain to this audience why shorting is part of of the ebb and flow of how wall street works because most people think all right i'm going to go into the market and i'm i'm gonna i'm i like this product i believe in this product i think this product is going to sell well and i think the stock price will be steady and you know let you know i'm I'm willing to risk a little bit of money and the hopes it goes up but you have a whole group of people that are betting it goes down why is that an an integral part of the day-to-day business with these hedge funds because what it does is it it, it prevents um, you know hopefully prevents big uh, you know balloons that burst because you're having people betting on both sides of the stock. So Sean, you may buy Google stock. Uh, you think it's going to go up. I think it's going to go down. So I short it. That reduces the price of the stock. And that's what one of the things that makes our you know th- these are kind of betting markets, informed betting markets. You you may have knowledge about a company and you want to invest in it. I have some knowledge in it. I think you know. Hey, I think they are. Uh, you know, the management isn't good. I'm going to short it, and that leads to an efficient price 
for our stock market. And that's one of the reasons the U.S. stock market is, is the best and soundest in the world. So, again, shorting stocks, we all do it. If you're, if you're in a mutual fund, that mutual fund is probably shorting some stocks. Um, but, the, again, this, I've never even heard of this before, Sean. I had never even heard of this before, where you could short more shares of stock than there are out there. And that means, boy, these companies are... Some people have suggested to me you may not be able to do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't, e- I don't even know how you do it, really. I mean, how do you, how do you short shares of you, stock? You can't. I mean, th- I mean, it is mathematically impossible. And if there's not a restriction on it, there needs to be one, right? I would say so, because I think it rips off investors. And when you can do that, you can really drive down the shares. Look, these, sometimes, what I don't like about some of the short sellers is they are, they are sharks. You know, they can destroy good companies. And I've seen it happen where a good company uh, is not able to weather the storm. And they keep driving it down and down and down and down. And they deal with the financial reporters and they spread rumors about a company. And all of a sudden, you know, a small company that's just getting its feet on the ground. We've seen, I've seen it dozens of times, Sean, where the short sellers can, can drive a company out of business. Um, but when you can buy more... That's the part that I hate. And um, uh-huh. now, do you do this kind of trading yourself or no? No, I'm not. I, I'm in mutual funds. I'm in the market. I think everyone should be. You know, although right now, I think, Sean, uh, look, the stock market is very pricey right now. And Agreed. you're... I, I just I don't like the stock market right now. The price, if you look at the price earning ratios, they're very high. And then, Sean, as you and I have talked about, you look at the agenda of uh, the Biden administration, the assault on business, and the, the higher taxes and regulations that are coming. That is not a good investment for for business mm-hmm. or for shareholders. I have a very minimal investment and in, in exposure to the market. I just don't have the appetite for it. And uh, anyway, very enlightening. Thanks, Steve Moore, as always. Uh, I'm just enjoying the fight. I mean, there's a big brawl that has broken out basically on Wall Street, and it's fun to watch the little guy take on the big guy, and they're actually winning. Although there's another side of this. They're going to people are going to get hurt here. I'm just uh, my oh, know this. Some of these little guys are going to get caught holding the bag. And when the because those stocks are going to get back down to earth, it'll happen sooner than later. When that happens, depends what their buy in point was. They they could lose massive amounts of money and not a game I want to play. Money's too hard to earn. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right. News roundup information overload hour. Sean Hannity show 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program. Well, there are some happy people in the world today. Certainly the David and Goliath story we've been talking about with uh, the little guy on Wall Street taking out some of these hedge fund guys that are shorting these stocks. This is this has been like pent up, building up anger and, and resentment. I'm enjoying the brawl and I kind of enjoy and I'm cheering on the sideline for the little guys that are winning this for a lot of different reasons. Um, I just the whole thing makes I, I just am not fond of any of the practices here and money's too hard to come by. I just urge all of you be careful, vet anybody you're doing business with, and then you're going to have to make your own decision as always, you know, um, but we're living through really difficult times. We now have a pandemic that has put millions of Americans out of work. Draconian shutdowns have resulted in entire businesses and industries being upended in ways we never dreamed of uh, and shutdowns that were never necessary. 
um, had they done things right. And we learned from states that did do it right. <clears throat> Florida, for example. Um, and a, a, a lot we can learn from the states that got it right. Did they have their hot spots? Yep. Did they struggle at times? Yep. Everybody did. The entire world did. And the worst pandemic in 100 years. Uh, now that the vaccine is on track, thanks to Donald Trump, if you can get these governors to get their ass in gear and, and get an organized system of dispensing it, that would be a great help. Anyway, so now with the stroke of a pen, thousands of jobs building the border wall are gone. With the stroke of a pen, tens of thousands, ultimately be hundreds of thousands of jobs in the energy sector will be gone. High paying career jobs. We're talking to people, $100,000 a year jobs, very specific skill set like welding and pipe fitting and working on rigs and drilling. This, this is it takes literally decades to get great at this. And finally, people get to the point where they're making some real money and one stroke of a pen and they're out of work. The only one that seems happy are all these uh, the only people that seem happy. Are these liberal Democrats, radical environmentalists and socialists. Why they're so happy? I don't know. Now they're going to they're talking about as much as 10 trillion dollars. AOC says Biden's two trillion dollar climate push sounds just like her Green New Deal. Well, it is Bernie Sanders, AOC inspired Joe Biden radicalism at the expense of working men and women in this country, wiping their jobs, their livelihoods right out from underneath them. This can't happen in our country. It's happening, but it shouldn't happen. Now, let me play this this Biden energy montage policies on fossil fuels, the Green New Deal, carbon tax and the callousness with which the likes of Pete Buttigieg. I'm just curious how a long term ban consistent with the president's goal of unifying our country and putting Americans back to work and helping our economies um, grow. Uh, how is that all consistent? I think the president's plan of building back better, which would create more jobs in energy, clean energy, uh, than the jobs that might be sacrificed. I think that, that unfortunately workers have been fed a false narrative. No surprise, right, for the last few years. They've been fed uh, the notion that somehow dealing with climate is coming at their expense. No, it's not. What's happening to them is happening because of other market forces already taking place. And, and, and what, the, what, the, what the financiers, uh, the big banks, the asset managers, private investors, venture capital are all discovering is there's a lot of money to be made in the creation of these new jobs in these sectors. So for those workers, the answer is somebody else will get a job? The answer is that we are very eager to see those workers continue to be employed in good paying union jobs, even if they might be different ones. Real expert that he is. Great experience. What depth. Mayor of South Bend. No insult to South Bend, Homer Notre Dame. Not exactly a lot of experience. Oh, we want him to get another union job. Or John Kerry flies around the world in his private jet. And John Kerry, well, we want them to get other Green New Deal jobs. They, okay, what, where's the check coming next week from? Where's that going to come from? Who's going to pay their house payment, rent payment, mortgage payment, car payment, truck payment? Who's going to pay for the kids' college fund? Who's going to put money in their retirement plan? Oh, well, oh, we'll create better jobs. Or grand homes saying, well, now we're going to tax the middle class. And, yeah, there's going to be lost jobs for the, for, for the good of society. Well, the good isn't impacting any of these people. Anyway, 
Biden didn't exactly run on all of this to remind you. When I think of climate change, I think of and the answers to it. I think of jobs. A key plank of our Build Back Better recovery plan is building a modern, resilient climate infrastructure and clean energy future that will create millions of good paying union jobs. We, we, we set out the rules for what kind of plant, you know, coal burning plants. No one's going to build another coal burning. We've got to shut the ones down we have, but no one is going to build a new one. We're going to make it easier for American consumers to switch to electric vehicles as well. Not only by building 500,000 charging stations, but by offering rebates and incentives to swap older fuel-efficient vehicles for new clean made-in-America vehicles. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Just to clarify, would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those, either any fossil fuel. The reason I don't know, I'm not opposed to the Green New Deal. What I did was went, I thought, beyond at least in more detail what the Green New Deal is calling for. I've argued against any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands that we can and, uh, and, 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 and to stop that. You said... Uh, stop new oil and gas drilling on federal lands. Yes. But kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel. Would you support uh, a carbon tax? Other ca- Some other candidates say they would. Yeah, no, I, I, I would. Nobody's going to build another uh, uh, coal-fired plant in America. No one's going to build another oil-fired plant in America. They're going to move to renewable energy. And the first thing I will do, I will rejoin the Paris Accord. Boy, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I will transition. It is a big statement. That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh. Because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry, I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas, excuse me, to the to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? So American workers, career jobs, high paying career jobs just wiped out with the stroke of a pen. And you can just see Vladimir Putin, hostile actor, Russia, hostile regime. Chinese uh, President Xi and the Chinese government doing backflips. The Iranians, same thing. They're doing backflips. All these Middle Eastern countries will now be reliant on again. Now there's going to be, we're going to limit the marketplace, uh, which, which has been the great equalizer in terms of price. With American production, we're outproducing all these countries, and we're energy independent. Now we'll be importing oil again, importing energy, the lifeblood of our economy again. Gas pump prices will rise. Heating prices will rise. Jobs will be lost, and these other countries will be made rich again. Mark Morano, author of The Fraud of the Green New Deal. Joe Bastardi, our official weather forecaster here on the Sean Hannity Show. Weatherbell.com, his book, The Weaponization of Weather and the Phony Climate War. Mark, we'll begin with you. It's uh, AOC's dream and the worker be damned and the American taxpayer be damned because we'll all be paying more. 
We will, Sean. Thank you very much. Uh, what President Biden has done so far, he's come in office and he's literally killed tens of thousands of jobs. And one estimate was, as his policies go forward, one million American jobs gone. Now, John Kerry, Pete Buttigieg basically say, let them make solar. Well, they're not, they're killing jobs now with the promise of some future solar or wind job when? Years, decades into the future? And are they going to be qualified? Are they going to be trained for that? Here's the bottom line. Three, uh, just under 4% of U.S. energy comes from solar and wind combined. 80 plus percent come from fossil fuels. In Joe Biden, AOC's delusional world, they believe we can turn 4% of American energy from solar and wind somehow into magically 80% plus or higher as they go to net zero emissions and try to wipe out fossil fuels. This is an experiment that's being played out. It's not really an experiment. I mean, we know it's failed. We saw President Obama's eight years of failure on this, but they're going to be taking real jobs now and it's going to make us less secure. The biggest joke was John Kerry claiming that's a national security threat, when in reality it's cold times that are the greatest for war, not warm times. And every policy they're doing, as you just said, Sean, is going to make us more dependent on foreign sources of oil and on rare earth minerals for solar, wind, electric cars that come from Chinese-owned mines operated in Africa that Amnesty International says as child labor. So this is a lose-lose-lose for America. Joe Bastardi, you've taken a lot of heat from these environmentalists, the the crazies out there, because uh, you've been out there with a knowledge of the history of weather, you know, frankly, second to none, uh, challenging the assertions that the world's going to, you know, basically disintegrate or melt in in 12 years, like Ocasio-Cortez says. It's all over. Yeah, well, you're going to be blaming me uh, Monday when there's 12 to 18 inches of snow in your backyard, too, Sean. So uh, I get blamed from all sides here. But uh, I do hold you responsible this. for that. you got to yeah, make I it know. go away. And, <laughs> and if not, you'll have to shovel it for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, the foreword of my book is by this guy named Hannity and uh, who convinced <laughs> me to write the book. And the Correct. reason I wrote it was, uh, you know, Mark is... Marcus, you know, I, I can't add to what the Godfather says over here. Uh, in fact, Morano and I are going to challenge the Cuomo boys to a little uh, tag team on climate. We'll see what happens there. But here's the thing that I come from, all right? Years and years and years of studying maps, using that knowledge. And whenever I hear someone tell me the worst ever, and I could pick out 10 examples, that it's not the worst ever. For instance, weaponization of drought, tornadoes, floods. Hurricanes, global temperatures, global weirding, the weaponization of models, the weaponization of academia. All this is in the book. Also, something a lot of people don't want to talk about is what it's really about, which is every once in a while, folks, man hooks it up and gets it right. And the pre, uh, the, the beginning of our Declaration of Independence was an absolute truth that man nailed that God gave us free will. All right. And whenever you get a system like Marxism or socialism that seeks to control and take away your free will, that's what this is about. Also, well, you know, I'm glad I put these two chapters in on COVID. You know, I wrote this back, you know, finally got done in March, and I can't believe it. It, it, it actually predicted what you're seeing now, this COVID situation. And, it, you know, there's no question this is an immediate threat to, to, to the good of our society. And we've seen that. But trying to say, especially when man adapts and moves on uh, over a 50, 60, 80, 100-year period, that climate change is the equivalent of COVID? Are you kidding me? 
And the other thing I do is I explain how you could get rid of this whole problem because, guys, no matter which way you want to slice it, there is a fear that's been brought about in our education system by indoctrination. I have a saying that in, in, in an educational system, you're taught to question why. When you're indoctrinated, you're taught to que- not to question why. It's the exact opposite. We have a whole generation of students that just believes this stuff will not look beyond the situation. They fear CO2, and there's a very easy way out of this if you really fear CO2. It involves planting a lot more trees, a nuclear, a nuclear power plants. Why are we still slaves to Jane Fonda and the China syndrome in this country? And, of course, carbon capture and things like that, which wouldn't crash the American economy like the Green New Deal, which, by the way, guys, and you know it as well as I, it's designed to do that. It's designed to chop us down to size. The whole thing is becoming obvious. It's not about science, not about climate. It's about a, this whole agenda that you're seeing in front of you now. So we, I take that apart in there, you know. And like I said, I, I, I go right at the heart and show you example after example of how bad things were in the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know. And well, I'm knowledge is second I'm... to none. Um, but I'm going to have to leave it there. It's just a... It's a primer, and I, I urge people, Green Fraud, Mark Morano's book, and uh, Joe Bastardi, author of The Weaponization of Weather and the Phony Climate War. It's loved by liberals everywhere. That means it's probably worth reading. Jobs are being lost. Now it's impacting national security. We won't be energy independent anymore. Uh, the lifeblood of our economy is energy. They don't have the alternatives, and now we're putting ourselves at a, a geopolitical strategic disadvantage in ways that you, you can't even anticipate today, and it's hurting American families. We're all going to be paying more for everything. Thank you both. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Many of you being very patient today. Thank you so much. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program uh, all right, let's go to Tammy is in West Virginia. Hey, Tammy, glad you called. Happy New Year, and thank you for being with us. Well, Happy New Year, and thank you very much for taking my call. I'll keep it short. I would like an answer, a clear answer as to why senators are paid for not doing their job. Many people, thousands of people have lost their jobs at the stroke of a pen from Biden's order. They're out of work. So why are these same people getting paid and not doing their job? If it had been you or me not showing up for work, not doing a job properly, we would be fired. So that's really all I wanted to say. I'd like to see maybe no, it's Listen, Tammy, you're expressing exactly how any decent American feels right now. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just my background and knowing my parents' background growing up poor as they did and my mom, the prison guard, my dad waiting tables on weekends and I working my whole life in restaurants and construction, you know, leading up to this, you know, career in radio and TV and struggling and, you know, running out of money. I have two hundred dollars left in the bank. And what do I do and how do I pay the rent? These people's lives have now been ripped apart. Fellow Americans, like, and they're doing it so cavalierly and so callously. And I, I, it's it sh- it shocks me to my core because all I can think about is, oh, my God, how, how, how are these people going to pay their rent? How are they going to pay their mortgage? What's going to happen to their car payment? How are they going to pay their insurance? It's, it, it, it's not like they're going to go get a job on a windmill tomorrow, Tammy. I know. 
I know. I totally agree. I'd like to know who these senators are specifically, drill down on their names every day and how much their wages are. If it really is public knowledge, the average person trying to find a job, trying to keep that job and work doesn't have the time to go online and search this stuff down. But if radio talk shows drill down on who these people are. Well, I can tell you who the people are. The people are uh, Granholm and Buddha Judge and John Kerry and Joe Biden. Now, the the pushback has already been coming uh, from like the attorney general of Texas and these other states as, as that relates to the border wall construction jobs that are gone. And uh, I, I am these jobs are not going to reappear anytime soon, if at all. Entire industries are being just wiped out. And for them, it's you know cavalier it's it's for the good it's it's for green energy it's for you know for the environment it's for climate change um well you know what and then john Kerry flies on his own private jet to his beautiful mansion on the water in nantucket save me the lectures you know live by example we pay do you know i bet you probably don't know tammy i do know do you know that there is a fleet of private jets that you pay for for all of these government officials and all of these cabinet officials, did you know that? I did, actually. I was a private contract flight attendant for a number of years. Oh, good for so, you. Yes. Yeah. I, but, I, so, I mean, that. save me the lecture. You know, if John Kerry sold his airplane or, or scrap heaped it, uh, okay, I might listen. But he's not going to do it. If everyone in Joe's cabinet pledged not to use the fleet of private jets we the taxpayers pay for, um, you know, w- when they give up the, the creature comforts we give them, um, uh, maybe they'll have an, uh, just a scintilla of credibility. But even still, you don't rip away high paying career jobs uh, with the stroke of a pen, as Biden has been doing or the New York Times says, please, Joe, we, you know, maybe go a little easier on on this, you know, d- dictating, uh, you know, executive order thing here. Um, in other words, by by executive fiat, it's sad, Tammy. Let me tell you, these these lives, we're not going to hear from these people again. So they, they, they have no place to go. They, they're going to try and pick up the pieces and and, and rebuild their lives. And they're going to probably take jobs that pay twenty thousand dollars a year, you know, just to get a rent payment paid. It's terrible. It's awful. And it's well, and it's tens of thousands. Well, we're, we're all on the same page, and we have to keep fighting back here. That's the only thing we can do. So having said that, thank you for everything that you oh, do. Thank you. I to you every day, and uh, just keep on, okay? Thank you, Tammy. And uh, I, I want to help people as much as I can. I mean, we had this guy on the show the other day. We, I know we put it up on our website, Hannity.com. If people have any jobs available, help him. And, and he had to lay off about 100 guys and just that worked directly under him. Steve, New Mexico, you're next. Hi. How are you doing there, Sean? Good afternoon to you guys, and once again, thank you for all that you do. Sean, thank we're you. in a state of crisis here in New Mexico. We are. We're in a state of crisis. In regards, I live in the northwest part of New Mexico, Sean, and, and, and jobs have been eliminated. Oil and gas no longer exist here. The price of natural gas has gone down. The price of oil has fluctuated somewhat. We see it now around $53 on the hub price, you know, but really, Sean, we are suffering. And it's all for the fact that we want to go to this new green deal. We want to be totally green by the year 2050. Sean, how in the world are we going to power vehicles? 
How, how, in the world, how in the world am I going to drive a pickup truck that I need to pull 14,000 pounds, and you're going to tell me I'm going to put a battery on that to run that? You know, we are in a state of basically of turmoil where we need to stand up and get our voice heard. And like the young lady before, Tammy, that mentioned, is to stand up to our legislators, both at the state level and at the national level. We've had now a Democrat governor that we have in office now, and she would like to basically remove all oil and gas exploration in the state of New Mexico. Be done with it. And also, we survive off of that of leases, permits from the federal government. Now Biden wants to say we can't do that anymore. We're going to put that on a 90-day hold. Bye-bye. But but I'll tell you who is happy, Steve. Ocasio-Cortez, you know, it's, a, it's as if we help shape the platform. Here's the reality. Here's a simple truth, is that Joe Biden, John Kerry, Pete Buttigieg, Granholm, and, the la- and, and all of these people that just, you know, just dismiss career jobs paying 100 grand a year from professional welders and pipe fitters and, and rig workers and, and oil drillers and people in gas and coal. Okay. And, and they chose their radical, extreme, AOC-endorsed, Bernie Sanders-endorsed radicalism over the jobs of we the people. That's what happened here. Now, we can have governors and we can have attorneys generals and they can bring lawsuits and they can fight in, in the judiciary. But this is what I tried to warn the country about way before the election. And I, it's not about Hannity was right. No, I, I, I've told everybody this is the most this is the most radical platform any major party ever ran on. And I kept telling people they mean it. Now the mean it part is happening. Packing the Supreme Court, D.C. statehood, uh, raising taxes on everybody. You have the, the Commerce Secretary nominee admitting such. It's all happening. Sad. Uh, back to our phones. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Uh, let's say hi to Lee is in Arizona. Hey, Lee, how are you? Glad you called. Yes. Uh, good afternoon, Sean. I have a question for you. And I've been thinking um, as a very concerned American citizen, um, I don't know if you can get with Mark Levin, the very, very smart, uh, great constitutionalist that he is, to see if there's a way that um, Vice President Biden could take, um, be made to take a cognitive uh, test. Um, it's very obvious to me that, and probably to a decent amount of people, that he can barely put a sentence together, and um, it's really sad on just a person, a person-to-person level, um, you know, I, I believe <laughs> by hook or crook, the Democrats they would make it happen if that had been if that if there was right at this time uh, a Republican in charge of running the country that acts the way Joe does, seemingly having cognitive difficulties, obvious ones. Oh, they make sure. Listen, I, I, I mean, it's, I've said it the whole campaign, the weak, the frail, the cognitively struggling Joe Biden. Um, there's nothing normal about how Joe is acting. He you know, there's nothing normal about this last campaign. Uh, as I've been saying, he he lived under the media mob, big tech uh, candidate protection program, and they let him hide in the basement the whole time. That's what they let him do. Well, Sean, and, my big concern is this, and I'm not trying to brush you off. I, I, I bet you 
even if he had a, a mini stroke and could still move a hand, because I used to be an ex-healthcare professional, I bet you if he could still sign those executive orders, they would make a way, even if he had a stroke, to keep it hidden so he can sign those orders. And it's very sad. It's really like elder abuse. It's sad, and his wife needs to take him to the side, in my opinion. That is her husband. This, listen, this decision, it. this this ship sailed a long time ago. And I listen, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one on radio or TV. I'm just saying my observation, and I know it happens to be the observation of many other people, even people in the media mob uh, that don't think like I do. Yeah, they, they're on pins and needles every time he opens his mouth. Um, over time, we'll see how... You know, the stamina, if he's fit and he's, you know, able to do the job up to an acceptable level, then the American people, it's the policies I'm most afraid of now. Um, I, I just think that he he's put the radical Democratic Party agenda ahead of working men and women. And now he is implementing every radical policy that they want. It is a socialist dream wish list. And it's not going to stop. And if he can't get it done legislatively, they'll use the reconciliation process if they can't get it done that way they'll just do it by executive fiat that's how they roll this is what i've been warning about thank you lee uh let's say hi to susan in michigan what's up susan how are you hello how are you i'm good thank um, you i am calling because we're hearing a lot of horrible things and yeah we know this was coming that's why we didn't vote for this person that's why we didn't vote for this regime but what's the call to action I mean, we need to know what to do next. Where are Republican The most important thing I think we can do is I think the states in particular, attorneys generals, et cetera, can do a lot. And they can challenge these executive orders in the judiciary. And look, I don't have a lot of faith in that branch of government. You get the wrong judge, it's over. You won't you won't get you won't get constitutionality. You'll get left wing judicial activism. Okay, but there are more judges thanks to President Trump. Uh, that believe in the Constitution. That's one. Number two, state legislator, le- legislatures need to ensure confidence and integrity in the voting system in all of these respective states that, you know, for example, if the law allows for partisan observers to observe, they've got to ensure that that happens. They've got to follow the law. If the states, if a state constitution doesn't allow mail-in voting, then if the state wants to change the Constitution, they must go through that process. State legislatures need to follow the law, not circumvent their own state's Constitution uh, or the laws in Wisconsin. I, you know, I go back to the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court decision. Uh, if if th- these st- they, what we need is it's simple stuff. Voter ID. Let's start there. But- um, let's let's check all the vo- voting rolls in every state's. For the good of the country, it doesn't. So why aren't this, and like? How do we make sure that gets started? Like, well, that stuff that Michigan, happen, happens we, we at the just, state level. Do you even? Most so people don't know need, who their state representatives and state senators are. Did you know that? Leadership at the top needs to make a concerted effort to make the states, um, the people that are in the states that are in danger, like my state, where fraud was rampant. I mean, my neighbor was a poll observer. He was at the TCF building, and everything they said was true. And nobody cares. We need to do something now. We don't I, I have think any we're time. like the only show that interviewed eyewitnesses that signed affidavits under penalty of perjury. We might be the only, he maybe one or two others. And they did nothing with them. They don't and care. We didn't get they didn't to want to hear it. have it investigated because of the incident that happened. They said, well, because this happened, we're really not going to look at any evidence you have because one thing 
um, makes the other go away. And that, that doesn't make any but sense. But now, because- now I'm, I'm giving you the answer. And the answer is this, is that everybody listening to our voices right now, both of our voices, need to know this. They need to know that they've got to start at the state level. They've got to encourage their attorneys generals. You know, if there are executive orders, uh, immigration, whatever it happens to be, energy, that they can challenge these executive orders in the court. They should do it on behalf of the citizens of their state. Anyway, good call. I appreciate it. Thank you. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News. we got a great show. All right, that's going to wrap things up for tonight. Yes, the war on American workers will have the very latest. Uh, New York nursing home deaths uh, underreported by 50%. We have a full report investigation. The Wall Street David Goliath battle. Uh, Joe's use of executive orders. And Joe is the guy that said, we're a democracy, not a dictatorship. You need to get the votes. Dan Bongino, Tammy Bruce, Larry and Leo, Miranda Devine, Katie Pavlich. 9 Eastern, we'll see you then. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.